Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. My second book, Your GPS to Employment Success, How to Find and Succeed in the Right Job, which, by the way, is available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com and independent bookstores. My book encourages readers to approach job searches and employment matters differently. Now, one of the things I recommend is in chapter one of my book. The chapter is entitled Prepare, Plan, Persist, and Persevere. This chapter addresses the need to get your head right. Throughout this this process of looking for a job or preparing yourself to be promoted, you need a positive mindset. And acquiring or having that mindset is more than a nice to have. How you approach your employment journey is crucial. Each day, prepare yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically. You may think you're an organized person, that you don't need a written plan, but my advice to you is to develop a written strategic plan and execute it and check off your accomplishments as you achieve them. You need to persist in your efforts in furtherance of your goals and objectives and persevere through any negative responses you receive, if you receive any, and in the absence of receiving any feedback or any response at all. Don't let that marginalize you or affect the way you pursue your job search. One of the tips in the first chapter is to train like an Olympian. Now, visualize Olympic medalists who train relentlessly. To be successful, they train to condition themselves to compete in rigorous Olympic events. Although there's no guarantee that their hard work will bring them an Olympic medal, Nonetheless, they put in the time and the effort. It's worth that mindset, that tenacity, that persistence to even possibly position yourself to win a medal, an Olympic medal. 
that's the mindset you need to adopt. Intensity and consistency and single-mindedness. Now, I'm going to tell you quite honestly, you will get from your employment search and efforts to gain a promotion what you put into them. Consistent effort, follow-up, networking, job board searches, and resume revisions are just a few of the tasks that are critical for your employment success. Now, my guest today is Dr. David Bernstein, a board-certified physician, author, and public speaker. Dr. Bernstein's work in preventive health and longevity make him a popular speaker for corporate, HR, and health and wellness groups. Now, let me just give you some background. I haven't met Dr. Bernstein live. We met, well, connected through an online training course. And well into the course, we realized that our work and our passions presented an opportunity for us to collaborate. So the fact that my first chapter was about preparing yourself mentally and physically and emotionally was that gave that opportunity for collaboration. So welcome, Dr. Bernstein. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Beverly. It's nice being here with you today. Now, I call him Dr. David. Dr. David, tell us about yourself. Where are you from? How did you decide to become a physician? I grew up on Long Island, New York. My father was an immigrant to this country, and um, I had a great childhood and a great upbringing. I learned a lot about determination and personal growth from my father's um, life history. And um, he admired and respected his physician. In fact, to this day, I know most of the names of the doctors he visited. And uh, he instilled a desire in me uh, to want to practice medicine. And um, when I was applying for colleges, I was around 17 years old. I saw the cover of a National Geographic magazine and it had a picture of a centenarian on the cover. I devoured that magazine. Yeah, National Geographic, I always like to look at pictures, but, but this was special. This was a bit of a calling for me about what I wanted to do in life. Coupled with the fact that around the same time I saw my mother's struggles with the medical care her parents, my grandparents were getting, near the end of their lives. And I thought their dignity was affected and, and my mother's stress level was really high. And I wanted to go out and, and make a difference. And so I chose a career path to be an internist and geriatrician and enjoyed looking at longevity and what we can do in our health to, to make ourselves as fit as possible. Well, you know, and, and that's the synergy between what you do or did, and what I advocate for people who are embarking upon a job search or an effort to be promoted. I recommend that people prepare for their job search by creating a a daily schedule that includes exercise and maintaining a positive mindset. What do you recommend that they do to achieve a positive outcome? Well, after we met and when we talked about our synergy, I thought, this, this is amazing that I that there was someone out there who was stressing the same ideas I had, but incorporated into their job search. In a sense, I've been doing what you recommended 
recommend for a long period of time. I realized somewhere in my career, even though I was athletic when I was younger and I thought I ate fairly well, I realized that as a practicing physician, I had to keep myself in tip-top shape, that it was my marathon, my marathon to practice medicine as long as I wanted to. I needed, and, and these sound like small things, but I needed to be able to get in and out of my car and get into the hospital, particularly if it's raining and it rains a lot in Florida. I needed to get in. I needed to, to see my patients, uh, which was vigorous activity to run down halls and, and up and down at computers and stands and stuff and, and get back in and practice medicine in my office, which was up and down. So there was an element of understanding that all of these things that you talk about and I do relate to maintaining our fitness. And it's not only a fitness, a physical fitness, but it's a mental fitness as well. And, and keeping our mind and body in sync to be able to do the best we can. And when I read your first chapter of your book, it was like, wow, a person needs to maintain that fitness for a job search, and they need to maintain that fitness to maintain their employment and, and succeed in their jobs. You're absolutely right. And I don't think, especially people who are younger, who have not had health issues, realize that just that can change in a moment. You can be healthy one day and, and unhealthy the next day or in an accident. Things, your circumstances can change. And muscle memory, I found out personally, really helps with recovery. I exercised, I'm not an exercise advocate. Well, I advocate exercise. I don't do it as much as I, I should, but I had been exercising, doing strength training for a while. And then I had surgery and I recovered so quickly that people were, my physician was surprised. So was I, but it was because I had built up muscles that were allowed me to recover. So I know it helps with your mind. It helps physically. And it helps, oh, it, it definitely helps emotionally because the faster you recover, if you should have an illness or be in an accident, the better off you are mentally because you're able to get back into the stream of things. And as far as looking for a job, if you get up in the morning and you have a, you have a routine, you exercise, you have breakfast, you you know you might meditate you might do yoga whatever it is to get your head right put you in the right frame of mind for whatever that day presents you with that will make a big difference you're absolutely right you walk the walk and talk the talk i mean that's incredibly important to succeed in throughout our entire career. And it doesn't matter what age you are, whether you're young or old, maintaining the fitness and, and all the, in all the different areas leads to success. And, you know, one of the big words we use nowadays is resilience. And given the opportunity, I'll talk more about it later, but we need to maintain our resilience and our fitness to be successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I understand that you were an associate clinical professor of medicine at the University of uh, South Florida College of Medicine, where you taught 
your acquired skills to second and third year students. Exactly what does that mean? I, when I read it, I meant to ask you in the beginning. I'm not quite sure I understand what that means. Well, I've always wanted to give back to my medical community. So being attached to the University of South Florida has been a great opportunity for me to do that. I'm not the most academic individual in this regard, but what I can say is I enjoy teaching and I enjoy teaching the skills that I've acquired over my 40 years. And and those are really the doctor-patient skills. And most of the students that I would encounter were first and second year students. And, and when they would come in, sometimes it was their first encounter with human beings as someone wearing a white coat. So I wanted to make sure they did things that made them human. I wanted to make sure that my, my patients would stick out their hand and shake the hand of my patients and give my patients a good handshake. I wanted to make sure they looked them in the eye and that they were empathic and that they were engaged in the communication process so that they were both understood and also that they were listening and understanding my patients. And um, that was a big part of it. The, the other thing was, you know, they learn up, uh, on computers and in books, but I wanted to show them the real live things that I've encountered. So over my career, I kept track of um, things that other people have taught me and little anecdotes or sayings or quotes. And, and then every now and again, when my students were with me, I'd say, oh, write that quote down that I just said, because that's really meaningful for your career. The patients loved having the students, and the students enjoyed the interaction that I provided them. That's great. You know, inter- interestingly enough, one of my um, one of my friends called last week about his doctor, and he said he had to change the he had to change his doctor because his the doctor's bedside manner was non-existent. He didn't tell him what was going on with any degree of detail. He didn't look him in the eye. I said, I asked him, I said, well, did you ask him questions? He said, no, he's supposed to tell me what if I have to have surgery. He's supposed to give me information. I said, it sounds like you have a choice to make. You can either go with this doctor or find some another physician that better suits your needs because your needs are important. And he did. We got him another another doctor. He's he's happier now. He's getting what he needs and he is comfort level has improved dramatically. And that helps recovery, I think. There's no doubt about having confidence in your physician and making the choice of someone you're comfortable with and someone who's going to communicate with you. It's incredibly important. And one of the things that I taught my students and that I practiced is I let my student, my patients know that I was human and that I had I didn't ha- I had family pictures in my office where I would sit, but I had pictures of where I traveled. I had talked to my patients about my travels or things I did or things I did in the community to let them know that I was human, just like them, and that I didn't live my life in an ivory tower in a mansion. That I I didn't drive a fancy car. I I was every man's doctor, and I thought that was incredibly important and something I was really proud of in my career. I think you're right. Now, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but you believe that your eating lifestyle, a person's life eating lifestyle and exercise programs are important. And these are examples of what you put into practice so that you practice what you preach. Now, how did you reach that conclusion? Was it trial and error or did you know that as a young person and you evolved into doing that more frequently and with more emphasis on eating properly and exercising regularly? Uh, a little bit of both. I was always active and, and involved in sports and exercise when I was younger. Life goes through its hills and va- peaks and valleys. And uh, there were times in my career I wasn't as good as that. And it was hard raising kids and having a busy practice and working really hard to find the time to exercise. I did, but it wasn't as good as I would like. It was important to eat right. And when you're on the go and when you have kids, not quite so easy either. Somewhere along the line, I had my epiphany of finding that I wasn't as good as I could have been and did my research and looked at my patients who were surviving well and made it a point that I was going to make changes and be better. Even my patients didn't don't respond to my recommendations uh, about change their life. But I've learned to ask them to be better and be better every day and try and make strides to do those things. I'm intelligent enough to know that I went out and did my research and came up with methods of doing that and and incorporated words into my vocabulary that, that weren't there as powerfully as they are now. And And one of those words is intention. These things that people have to do to make themselves healthier or make themselves more fit for employment, both pre-employment and post-employment, you have to do these things intentionally. You have to select a life, uh, an eating lifestyle that, that you can research and say, I can do that. I can eat a Mediterranean diet. I can drop red meat from whatever I'm doing or have it as a very infrequent thing. In my own personal sake case, I did eat lots of hamburgers when I was in practice in my middle years. I stopped that and now my wife and I eat a whole food plant-based diet. It's not so easy, but I know what research shows and we do that. I know, and and one of the things that makes all of this easier is my wife and and I, well, we're buddies and we do these things together, but having buddies is one. We chart what we eat, so we journal or, or keep track of those things. And I schedule all my exercises on my, my calendar. So there are days that I work out with a trainer and do strength training. There are days that I do cycling or spinning on my Peloton at home. Uh, there are days that I do more stretching so that I have a, a balance of different things. But somebody didn't come along and put it in my schedule. I had to do it myself. And so the intentionality of this is important. You know, I hadn't looked at it from that perspective, but that word intentional is very, very powerful. You have to make a conscious decision to do the things that you outline, to eat properly, to exercise, all facets of exercise, stretching, strength 
training, cardio, whatever it is, it has to be intentional. And people don't necessarily think of a job search with those components, you know, but especially because of the nature of the employment landscape and the ever-changing aspect of the employment landscape, we've got to think differently about how we approach related activities, whether it's job search, looking for, a, a, trying to position ourselves for promotion, or just trying to stay upright and mobile. We have to be intentional about how we go about putting ourselves in the best possible position to achieve the positive results that we want. I mean, if we don't, if we're not intentional, it won't happen. Correct. Exactly. And and that was a big discovery of mine. And as the the guy who did the infomercial say would say, and there's more. So there are other things that I talk to people about that have to be done with intention. And the, the, the odd thing about it is that they are not sort of the diet and exercise things, but other things that we may feel a bit awkward about. So, for example, sleep is incredibly important. And so we can't take sleep for granted. Uh, we would want to get seven or eight hours of sleep, good quality sleep. Well, it doesn't happen if you just, you know, pull all nighters or work till 11 o'clock and have to be get up at six. You need to set a certain time uh, element to be able to do that. And I can reflect on the fact that as a busy physician, I knew I needed to be up at a certain time to see my patients in the hospital and run to the office and finish up at the office. And, and there were limits in terms of how much time there was available for sleep. But I know I'm doing a better job and I'm doing a better job because I set the intention to do it. And another aspect of the things that you talk about in, in your writing, because I've read them, is the idea of stress management. And we might not like the word management, but we have to figure out how we can address the fact that our lives are full of stress, be it a pandemic, be it working from home in a cramped space, or not liking our boss or the job we're doing, other than quitting our job and then going through employment again, which isn't always very fun, or just figuring out the, the meditation mindfulness techniques that we can incorporate in our lives. You know, stress is such a significant component of our lives. It's not anything we've invited in. It's really kind of elbowed its way into our lives. Uh, the pandemic, employment issues, whether to go back to the office, whether to look for another job that may or may not meet our expectations or be what we wanted or what we, we were striving for. We have decisions to make and just making decisions in this kind of environment is very stressful. And if you have children, you know, worrying about children, especially young children who may not be vaccinated and protected as much as you would want them to be from the virus. It's just a very stressful time. And managing stress for many people is not easy. You know, and that's so astute, Beverly, because the way you described it, it's 
stress is a villain. And we have to deal with the villain, either tell the villain to go away, change jobs, move to a different state, or address what we can do to withstand what the villain is trying to do to us. And, and ultimately, many of the things I've spoken about so far are things that will induce this inflammatory reaction in our body, increase cortisol levels, which causes which inflammation, and inflammation leads to chronic diseases. So the things that would address the villain, such as meditation and mindfulness and deep breathing and setting up the most comfortable, less stressful work environment, are things that we have control of and we can do with intention. You know, I really like that word intention because it puts the onus on the person the onus should be on, us, the individual. Absolutely. I agree. You know, you can't shift the responsibility to someone else. But if you do things with intention, it must be self-motivated. Correct. That's what I want people to do. I want them to be more intentional about how they take care of themselves as they look for work, how they position themselves to be successful once they find a job, and how they make decisions going forward about their career. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really um, incredibly positive. And, and I remember reading in your first chapter, I believe, about putting pictures of your goals in front of you on your refrigerator, on a, in, in a mirror, in the bathroom, so that you can see what you're committed to and that you're going to achieve something. But it's up to you to do that. You know, you're right. It's aspirational. You know, sometimes we forget why we're doing the things we're doing. If you have children, it's less likely that you will forget because they, they're living examples of why you do and make the sacrifices that you make. You do what you do to give them the life you want for them, the life they deserve. But just, it's not always that easy to remember, you know? You need, sometimes we need visualization. You go to the refrigerator to get some juice and you see the picture of the vacation that you want to take or the car you want to buy or the home you want to buy. You know, whatever it is that that motivates you, that makes you want to improve your circumstance, however you describe that. If for everyone, it's not money. It may just be peace of mind, contentment, whatever it is. First of all, you have to decide what it is and you move in that direction. But, you know, it's not just us. How can we get our loved ones to adopt more healthy habits? Because if they're healthy, we may likely be more healthy or healthier. And we love them. So we want them to live as long as we're going to live. Thanks to your advice. Well, that's a tough one, but he, uh, but and I'll get to it in a second. But I wanted to leave the our our listeners with one other item, and it, it relates to families, but it has to do with forming connections and maintaining connections and and being sociable. In in what I write about, sometimes I call it sex. 
I put it on the cover of my book because sex sells, but it's <laughs> about it's about socialization and it's about connections. And just like the other four things I mentioned, it takes intention to maintain those connections. And I had a recent experience where I reconnected with medical school friends and it didn't happen because I got an invitation to do these things. I had to set my mind up at, I need to reconnect with Scott and Wendy and David and, and they're in different states and it required a, an email and a phone call and back and forth, but, but it was all done with intention. And, and I don't, I, I'm proud of it, not ashamed of it. I'm proud of the fact that I did this because I know there's a need to maintain connections and connections in your life. Those were with friends, but, but it, you mentioned family. Family connections are incredibly important, and, and sometimes they get disrupted or people get estranged from one another. But it's incredibly important to have your social network together to maintain your life and your health, which brings me to the question about how you get your family to adopt the recommendations that I made. I'll jokingly say, I think you need another guest to do that one, Beverly, <laughs> because it, it's not easy. And as you can imagine, and you and I are in this same general age group of, of baby boomers, it's really hard to get Gen Xers and millennials to adopt ideas that we have. They find their information in different ways and process it differently. I utilize my example of doing the things that I do. So when they come to visit or when I visit them, I make sure I exercise. Although they, all our kids tend to exercise. When we arrange for dinners, we arrange for dinners at establishments that are going to serve healthy food. And if um, my children want to follow that fine, but they have to eat what, what's served in the restaurant. But if we have a pizza, ours is going to be a plant-based pizza and they can have what they want, but I'm going to show them by example. And I cajole them a little bit and say, you know, you're raising your kids and here are some things you can do to make, make, have them eat healthier. I think I've talked about one villain so far about stress, but sugar is, is another villain. I find that my family tends to avoid sugar pretty well, except for the for the really younger kids. But it's not an easy answer to getting people to adopt those things. I leave hints. I I mainly by example, I guess, is my answer for you, Beverly. Well, you know, I over the past since I've been writing books, I don't know why paying more attention to sports radio. I don't watch the games, but I can tell you, a friend, it's interesting, this is an aside, a friend of mine asked me, he says, well, did you see the games? I said, of course I didn't see the games. This was like on a Monday. But he says, well, do you know what happened? I said, of course I know what happened. And I t gave him a rundown, Who the football games, the NFL, who won, who lost, who did well, who didn't do well. He said, I can't believe you know all that. I said, you know, I want, you know, I'm working, I'm typing, I'm writing. I, I, it's mindless. And one of the things I hear on sports talk radio is leading by example. Athletes lead by example. 
they football players lead by example. Basketball players lead by example. It's like, really? Is that what you're doing? But that's what you're doing. You're eating the right way. You're ex- you're exercising to give your give your life longevity. And hopefully your loved ones seeing you do that will be encouraged to mirror your behavior. I can only do that. I could drop subtle hints, but you're right. Leading by example is what I try and do with with them. And I love my family and I want to be around for them. So doing all the things that I do is one of the keys to developing resilience in life. And I want to be that resilient grandfather, great-grandfather, and parent to my kids as we all age. And uh, nothing is more pleasurable to me in life than that right now. I understand that. Now, Dr. Dave, you're the author of several books, The Power of Five, The Ultimate Formula for Longevity and Remaining Youthful has five S's that I think our listeners will be interested in learning about. What are they, the five S's? Well, I've spoken about them throughout the um, interview today, and uh, let me summarize them. They all begin with the letter S, and it's enjoy more sweat, which is exercise, sleep, and get less stress and less sugar. And the final one was to get more sex or socialization. So there are five S's. You have five fingers on your hand. You can remember five things for a long period of time. And you just got to remember, and there I was forgetting, but get more sweat, sleep, and socialization and reduce your dependence on sugar and avoid stress and address stress in your life. Sounds like good advice to me. Now, Dr. Dave, you've appeared on CBS, Fox News, and spoken at major corporations. If our listeners want to connect with you or hear more from you or learn more about your your writings, how should they do that? Best way to do that is my website, davidbernsteinmd.com. And I do have an email address, david at davidbernsteinmd.com, if anybody wanted to connect with me that way. You know, I I really appreciate you taking the time today. Is there anything else you want to say to to our listeners? I want to thank you for letting me participate with you and uh, your listeners should be pay very careful attention to what Beverly has to say, because uh, uh, she 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 really has it going. You know, we connected in in a very special way. And and I find that the your approach to employment is like my approach to health and they're like one and the same. So applying whatever you teach to people's health or my people applying what I teach about health to job searches and employment, they go hand in hand. And um, it's a pleasure meeting up with you, Beverly, because we share some of these same views of the world and uh, how we go about our lives. Well, you know, I agree. And it has really been a pleasure interviewing you. I'm so happy that we made this connection because I don't know whether I told you, I interviewed an Olympic medalist who was 
not a client, but an associate, let's call him an associate of mine, because I was working with uh, the school he attended and I was talking to college athletes. And at the time he was uh, in college and he subsequently went on to a medal at the Olympics. And he was kind enough to be interviewed for my podcast. And he was in another country. And that may have been the reason our interviews, because he did too. And neither one was recorded. We couldn't get it done. And he talked about how he trained. So it was was really consistent with the first chapter of my book. Since then, he's won another another medal, another Olympic medal. And um, I may circle back around to him because of his recent accomplishment, but uh, I don't want to impose on my... (laughs) on our relationship, but you have stepped into the breach because I'm not a medical person or an Olympic athlete. They may think, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But when they hear from experts like you, and if I'm able to get my Olympic medalist associate again, then they'll have the Olympians uh, perspective. But I think that together, if people do what we suggest, that hearing from us together will make a difference and hopefully they will approach their their job search and employment related matters with a clearer perspective. And they will know that notwithstanding the fact that they may not hear from employers in response to their resumes or their calls that it shouldn't marginalize them and they should move forward with health, with commitment, with persistence, and eventually they will be successful. And we're going to sign off and thank you, Dr. David, for your time today. It's been an absolute joy and pleasure, Beverly. Thank you. I'll see you soon. Very soon. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.